0: Thank you lord well welcome to morning star guys good to see everybody glad you're here not a better place to be in his presence that is all right we have josh lingner with us today he's going to bring the word and then we'll see what the lord does at the end And some ministry time hey i just you know the scripture says to give honor to whom honor is due i i am you know i've been pastoring this church since 2019 i think January. But I've been coming for about four years, a little over four years here. And uh, what a team that I've, you know, we're blessed to have serving this church. Uh, This guy has a heart for God. And I've seen that over and over and over again. All these guys do. Paul, you know, I can't say enough about these guys. And, uh, but I just wanted to honor uh, Josh. He is, just going after God, and it's evident. you know we don't want to play church, we don't want to do, just do services, and we want to go after God and go out, be people who are after His presence, after Him changing who we are, that we are formed into His image, and, and that we're loving God and loving His people, and this is what we got in this pastor here. So uh, Lord, we just thank you for this man. We thank you for his family. We thank you for the well that's inside of him from seeking your face and and digging in your word. And Lord, we're asking to hear from the anointing right now in Jesus' name. Let the anointing come, Father, upon him that teaches us all in Jesus' name. Thank
1: you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, happy birthday, Margaret. I told her this morning what a... What a gift she is to our church here, isn't she? So just wants to honor her one more time. We wish you a very, very happy birthday. And I just, I know at the end of the service, there's going to be people people lining up to take you out to lunch today. So Margaret's choice. And I also want to say hey to Drake. I got a chance to meet Drake last week. I was doing some work out here and uh, Drake comes up. Obviously, he's missing a leg here. He's like, can I help you with anything? I'm like... Look, at my, I want to go home and talk to my teenagers. What's y'all's excuse, man? This guy helped me out, and it was it was just a pleasure to meet him. And glad that you're here, Drake. Really, it's a privilege you, that you're here. And let's go, let's go, Ravens. We're gonna get the W today in uh, Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I'm from Maryland originally too, so we had a chance to talk about football and the Lord. So it was great. It was great meeting him. So. Well, today, I uh, had an interesting roundabout to get to what I wanted to talk about, and what I'm going to share about is a pretty foundational message, but I'm kind of coming at it with a little bit of different language and maybe uh, from a different angle, but it's something that we've all heard before. Uh, but be- before I get into that, I saw this thing. How uh, many know Facebook can actually be good sometimes, right? I saw this picture on Facebook It says, "Don't just invite people to church. Invite them to dinner." Invite them to lunch. Invite them into your lives. And I was like, man, that really stirred me. I'm like, well, I don't, why don't we want, uh, why do we only want to invite people to church? Why is it more comfortable to, to invite people to church? Because on church, we're on our best behavior, you know? <laughs> the church, somebody somebody gets paid to keep the church clean and smelling good, and you don't have to worry about, you know, it, somebody walking in your house and saying, oh, what a disaster. They might get to see you without your makeup or in your boxers or something. But uh no, invite people into your home. Invite people into your lives. Invite them to church too, don't get me wrong. But I have found such significant experiences and encounters with people when I've invited them into my home. I've invited them to lunch. One quick example, I want to just share, practical example. I was out here months ago. And remember Roy used to come and hang out all the time out here. Roy, or, he used to have like a duck blind out here. He was posted up in that. And uh, I was I was here getting some stuff done. I was actually getting replacing the potpourri dispensers the so our church smelled nice, you know. Can't worship unless the church smells good. And uh, I was, and the batteries were dead and the dispensers, and I was off rush rate, and I was leaving, and I saw Roy, and I was like, oh, man, gotta go get these, but I want to get Roy some lunch. So I went, and I stopped. I was like, Roy, you want Taco Bell or anything? He's like, yeah, man, that'd be great. So I was going to do the usual thing where I drive in a Taco Bell, grab the to-go bag, do a little drive-by. Hey, Roy, be blessed. See you, man. I got to go get batteries and potpourri dispensers so the church smells good. Stop and listen to that statement one more time. I can't spend time with you because I got to make sure I get batteries and potpourri so the church smells good. Sometimes you just got to stop a minute and, and, and question your normal routine because it is messed up sometimes. And sometimes our priorities are so messed up. <laughs> the Lord stopped me in my tracks. He said, I want you to have lunch with Roy. Don't worry about the potpourri. So I got two combos and I came back and I parked my truck out here and I pulled a bucket out of my truck and I was like, Roy, can we have lunch together? And him and I cheersed our Mountain Dews and we prayed together, we bowed our heads in prayer and we sat and had an amazing time just sharing about life, hearing where he's been. And I realized there was something that took place where as a son of God, just that 45 minutes I spent brought some humanization to his life where sometimes he might just feel like a project or somebody's problem. And the Lord wanted me to stop and invite him into my life and have a lunch with him. And we've made plans to do it again. I have, I have a, a fun ex, an idea that we're going to get dressed up. We're going to get a hotel or get dressed up and go out to a real nice dinner one night together. But I got to find him. He's moved on somewhere. <laughs> but it was a moment that really just brought home It put feet to that message. You know, people are valuable. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to do a little drive by drop off. No, people are worth inconveniencing yourself for. That's what Jesus did everywhere he went. He stopped and he brought, he brought human touch to people, lepers who hadn't been touched in years. He brought validation and love to women who had been outcasts in their community for years. He didn't just heal their body. He actually validated who they were as sons and daughters, as beloved sons and daughters in God. He did not value the potpourri dispenser over the people. I encourage you today, let the potpourri run out this week and spend some time with people that are broken and invite them into your lives. Your schedule is not that important, I promise. The kingdom of God is what should be setting our schedules. And I'm not saying be irresponsible, but I am saying value people more than potpourri. Put that down in your notes, point one. (laughs) Uh, Let's just pray into that. I just really feel like that was a word for our church. It it has nothing to do with my message, but Lord, I just ask right now that Holy Spirit, you would convict us anywhere in our lives where we have allowed potpourri, you guys know what I mean, that's just an analogy, (laughs) to be more important to us. In the actual heart, soul, and spirit of human beings that we pass every single day, Lord. Help us to be so sensitive to your spirit that we stop and we show the love of Christ and release the power of the gospel into people's lives. That's where it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen face to face. I'm gonna do a little... One more thing about that story that was really cool. I was cleaning up the dumpster. It sounds like I clean up the dumpster a lot, right? (laughs) It gets messy over there. Anyway, one day I was cleaning up, and there was, like, all these butane cans. And I remember a kid in high school used to get high on butane. I don't know how they do it, but there's a way. And I'm over here, and my first thought was I started judging Roy. Oh, man. That man, he's getting all that money and using it to get high. I'm just being real, y'all. I'm being real. That's my thought. You know what? The first thing that Roy wanted to show me when I sat down to have lunch with him that day, he showed me his little butane burner that he used to put butane cans in to heat up his burgers that he got right across the street. Conviction. Some of the judgments that we have in our hearts against people would disappear if you just took time to sit down with them. Don't judge where people walk until you have sat where they weep. Until you have sat with these people. Do not allow. I was so convicted. That was not Jesus. That was not, I allowed a thought that wasn't from Jesus to take a seed and root in my mind. And actually caused me to act in my heart differently towards somebody that I hadn't even really spent time with. Until you walk where they weep, do not raise your hand and your voice in judgment. Jesus knows our brokenness. Jesus knows the place where we have been traumatized. Jesus knows the place where we have wept. Jesus knows the place at our darkness. And he does nothing but call us sons and daughters and say, you are mine. He comes running off the porch with a ring and a robe and embraces us because he knows the place. And he's walked in the place where we've wept. And he didn't value the potpourri over our heart and our soul. So get out there this week. Stop judging. Stop valuing the potpourri over people and get to loving people as Jesus, our Savior and our Lord, has commanded us to do. Amen. I brought my own encouragement with me today. It's okay. You know, it's funny I drink out of this thing because it keeps my can cold, but a lot of people drink beer out of this. It's just seltzer water, so I don't want y'all to think I'm up here <laughs> sipping on a Bud Light or something. <laughs> uh, so anyway, here we are. I want you guys to go to Ephesians. There's a lot of scripture I'm, I'm debating on reading. But uh, this week I, I ran into a pretty intense Experience. I was pressure washing on Tuesday and all of a sudden I developed these like horrible, this is a little TMI coming, get ready, these like horrible sores on my feet and I, it hurt me to stand. I mean I looked, I, went, I was doing a job at a um, Cambridge Village community over here, the retirement community, I had to get up, I forgot what morning it was and my feet were so sore, and the, the the elderly folks that live at Cambridge Village were out doing their laps, and I'm, like, trying to walk from my truck to the hose source, and this, like, 80-plus-year-old woman's, like, passing me because I'm walking like this. My feet hurt so bad. I'm like, oh, man, this is embarrassing, this 39-year-old guy getting lapped by 80-year-olds out here. And I wanted to just like something in my eyes. God, like, oh, don't worry about it. We know when pain takes over, it's just... And I was just standing I was like, Lord, like, I, you know, I don't try to spiritualize everything, but sometimes I'm when it's I'm speaking and speaking is not my most comfortable position. I'd rather be hiding behind a car. And you can you know, it's amazing, you can sing a lot of things, and people will like, yeah. So sometimes you say something, they're like, I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, it's weird. You can get away with a lot when you sing. But when you're actually talking to a microphone and people are like, oh Anyway, so I get more, I get more self-conscious, I get more I don't know, just down on myself. So, but I do it because I, I believe in making myself uncomfortable. I believe in always pushing beyond a place where I've become comfortable. And I think that's just a, a tool for life. You know, I have the Holy Spirit to keep me comforted. I don't need to comfort myself, right? So uh, I'm here, I am speaking. And then I'm pressing into like, Lord, why are my feet hurt? I mean, and I, and I was thinking to myself, I can't, I mean, it's, it's, it hurts to stand, It hurts to walk. I mean, sitting is like the only thing that feels good to me right now. And all of a sudden, the Lord, the Holy Spirit quickened in me one of the most amazing, I'll probably say the most amazing commentary on the book of Ephesians I've ever read. It's by a man named Watchman Nee, and he has a book called Sit, Walk, Stand. Anybody ever read it? Okay, good, I'm going to plagiarize a lot today. (laughs) No, it is powerful, and I don't normally do that. I like to have stuff that the Lord shows me, but I believe sometimes when you read something and it's so for you, it becomes a part of you, and you're allowed to give it. And uh, that's what I want to do today a little bit, is kind of give you some of the revelation of this book. Because I was in this place this week where the only thing that I could do was sit, walking hurt, standing hurt. Hurt and the premise of this book is in the Christian walk there's there's three elements that you read through the book of Ephesians and the first thing as a Christian we have to learn to do before we do anything else is sit and we're going to look at a context for that in the book of Ephesians where um, I'll bring that but the other elements are walking and standing and we get into a whole lot of trouble when we try to walk before we've learned to sit. And we get into a lot more trouble when we try to stand before we've learned to sit. You see, sitting is our spiritual position in Christ, seated in heavenly places in Christ. That is your spiritual position. It doesn't mean you're sitting in a lazy boy all day. You can walk around and be seated in the spirit. The next thing, walking, is that is you walking. That is your Christian life. That is your your attitude. That is your your core values, your morals, the way you behave. Live a life worthy. Walk out a life worthy of the calling. But you're never going to walk out that life until you've learned to sit. Right? And then the next thing, standing, is actually your position to the enemy. Can you imagine trying to stand against an enemy until you've actually got confidence to sit in the presence of God as a son and as a daughter? The enemy will take your lunch every time if you try to stand before you've learned to sit. That's the premise of the book. Sounds good, right? It's only like a 60 or 70 page book, super practical, super powerful, but I want to focus today on the word sit and at the end, I might get into that last part of it where it says, hold on tight. If I was going to name this message, it would be sit down, hold on tight. And I just picture like a roller coaster ride. Speaking of, I did the Fury a couple weeks ago at Carowinds. Wow. <laughs> I was holding on so tight. It was amazing. Go do it. Take take yourself out to Carowinds If you look for a thrill, go do it. Anyway, I was, every time I think of sit down, hold on tight, I picture myself, Holding on to that little yellow thing in front of me, thinking this isn't going to work if something goes wrong. But I did it anyway. I did it actually like three times, and I actually lost my voice sitting beside my 15 year old. He's just like chill, hands up, and I got back and they're like, "Dad, you were screaming like a loud girl the whole time." <laughs> and he's just like so chill. I'm like, it's been a while. I needed, I needed that in my life. It was awesome. So sit down, hold on tight. How many of you guys have heard the, heard the phrase, if you're going to talk the talk, you better How many of you ever heard that in context of your Christian faith? Right? If you're going to talk the talk, you better walk the walk. It's so true. We believe that. We hear that. And it's true to a degree. But the emphasis is always on making sure that you're walking out a walk. And I, I want to change this. Like, if you're going to talk the talk... You better have sat the sit so you can walk the walk. (laughs) Try saying that three times fast. You might say something that you don't mean to. But if you're gonna talk the talk, you better sit the sit, sit the sit, sat the sit so you can walk the walk. And then you can stand the stand. And then once you've stood, all you can stand, keep on standing, right? These are our positions in the Lord. But I see so much frustration happening in the body of Christ because there's a lot of people who are trying to walk before they have sat. I'm going to get into that some more. And I've seen a lot of people try to stand before they've learned how to sit. And and you can see it's evident. I think most of pastoral ministry counseling phone calls that we get is the result of people trying to walk before they've learned how to sit. Ephesians chapter, ooh, here we go, one, and uh, we're going to go into two as well. And and this this first, I mean, the whole thing is amazing, but if you just look at how many times the words Jesus Christ— are mentioned in just these first couple verses. How many times it says in Christ? How many times it says through Christ? And it is like driving home this point that the source of all of our Christian being, doing, and everything is in Christ. And that's such a hard concept. It requires faith in Christ. And I'm, I'm, I've been saved for 28 years. I think I was around 12. Oh, my mom's here, by the way. Sorry. Squirrel. I I get this. I learned squirrel. I learned chasing squirrels from my mom. She is like the queen squirrel chaser. So my mom's here. I was about 12 years old at Castling Baptist Church when I uh, got saved. and, And I feel like over 28 years, I'm still learning how to sit in some ways. And there was a lot of times in my life I was trying to walk it out just so frustrated and lots of failures. And I think it all comes back to me not being taught as a young man how to sit in Christ, spiritually sitting in Christ. So, you know, I don't really have a a strategy here, but there are so many good verses. I just want to kind of read a couple just so you guys can get the gist before we get to the the, the main verse here in verse 2. But it says in verse 3, In Ephesians 1, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. If it ain't in Christ, everything before that ain't gonna work, (laughs) right? In my mind, my carnal mind wants to go, okay, yeah, well, heavenly blessings are good, but I want some earthly blessings, you know, the lottery would be nice, if my mortgage paid off would be nice, you know. And it's like I've I have such little value or revelation of what that verse means. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. We need a revelation of, of even what that phrase means. You and I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We have to stop equating or allowing our belief that earthly blessings are superior to spiritual ones. We get into a lot of trouble when we think that. We start thinking God isn't blessing us because our car broke down. And we start start thinking God isn't blessing us because our AC broke down. And we have such a value on spiritual blessings that we have just like skipped over this in Christ amazing inheritance that every spiritual blessing is ours. And I can't even sit and tell you that I understand it fully, but I know That I don't understand it fully, and that's a problem, and I am pursuing a deeper understanding of what it means to be blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, blameless before him in love. He predestined us to be adopted us as adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace which we which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved in him we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of of forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace you getting the you getting the, the vibe here it's all about what he Has done, and we simply step into receive by faith what he has done. I told you this is going to be a foundational message, and I'm coming at it from the angle of sitting before we've walked and before we've stood. It's all in him, according to his riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. So many more amazing things, but I wanted you guys to get the idea here that there is a power at work. And here's the cool thing I want you to kind of see. As you, as you see the picture of salvation that, that is being painted here and how we've received it, it dawned on me, as I was retracing my steps through the book, it's kind of like Adam at the very beginning. What did God do for the first six days? Or the first five days, excuse me. He was creating an incredible world. He was in creating he was creating beauty and splendor and gardens and suns and moons and what happened on the 6th day Adam was created what did Adam do to step into the beautiful world that was created by God What did he do did he plant seeds did he create oceans no he stepped into paradise he stepped into the perfection of God. And I, I see myself in Adam. And the same way that Adam stepped into perfection is the same way I step into salvation. You realize that Adam's very first day was God's first day of rest. God worked so that he, then he rested, right? And then the opposite is true of Adam. Adam rested, and then he worked. You see that? And the same is going to be true foundationally as a believer in Jesus, as someone who has said, I am following the Savior of the world. You have to learn to sit and rest before you ever begin to work. All right, let me get to my point. <laughs> Let's go to, uh, there's a lot we're skipping over. Let's go to chapter two. And then we're going to read this verse one until I hit, I think, probably phew, there's so many good things. I don't know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you when I'm done. So starting at verse one. And you were dead in your trespasses. And your sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him. And here the word is, seated us. That's where the verse word sit comes from. He seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ. Jesus, hmm. There it is. He raised us up with him and he seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In order that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ. Christ Jesus, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as the result of works, not as the result of walking, not as the result of standing, not as the result of works that no one should boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. See, we're going to do good works. I'm not saying you're off the hook. You're going to do good works. You're actually going to do greater things than you would ever thought you were going to do, but you're not going to do it walking first. Man, I just got excited and I lost my spot. <laughs> Prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that you formerly, that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by the so-called, okay, I'm going to stop there. There's a lot of good stuff, but I'm, it's going to go off no rabbit trail. I'm trying to stop chasing rabbits. The point here is, we are seated with Christ and in Christ. and we understand that mentally sometimes, but we haven't lived it out in our lives. Now here's a couple of things that I was kind of processing through what it is and isn't to have been seated, to sit in Christ spiritually. I see a lot of believers, myself included, and I kind of, I I know me better than I know anybody else, so I'll use my life as a a test sometimes, all the time. (laughs) And I struggled with condemnation in my life. I struggled because my whole life as I was 12 years old, I wanted to walk the Christian walk. I wanted to not only talk the talk, but I wanted to walk the walk, but I still found myself falling. Anybody else been there? Huh. find yourself falling and I'd fall. Oh God, I'm so sorry. I'm, and I'm, I'm never going to do that again. And I do, you know, purity pledges and I do all the, you know, if you get me out this one more time, I'll And I promise I'm never going to, you know, hung over. I'm never going to do that again. Oh, and then three weeks later. Oh man, beer sounds good. It's like, I would try to walk this out, but I never sat. And here's what happens when you try to walk it out before you've sat, you will experience condemnation. And you know what condemnation does? Condemnation tells you that the thing that you just did is who you are. You just drank, you got drunk, you are an alcoholic, loser, no good, and you just need to go and go retry your salvation all over again. Because there was no sitting where you sat with the Lord and you became convinced Without a shadow of a doubt, you are, Drake, you are a son. No matter what you do, your actions will never define your identity. Your identity is found when you sit in Christ and you are told and convinced deep down that you are a son. So instead, for the person who has sat with Jesus, when they mess up, guess what? They don't have condemnation. What do they have? The sweetest thing that the Holy Spirit can give to a believer who has fallen off track. What is it? Conviction. You know the difference between conviction and condemnation? Conviction says, that what you just did, that's not who you are. Remember when you sat with Jesus? Remember when you sat? Remember when you got saved and you became completely convinced that you are a son and you are a daughter? What you just did? I'm just going to remind you what you just did is not who you are. But if you don't have that sitting time, you don't have that foundation that's, that you can go back to and say, that's not who I am. What does, it, what does it say about the prodigal son? He was eating the slop and it came to himself. I believe in that moment, he was like, oh my gosh, I, I'm a son. Back in my father's house, there's, there's food. And he had, a, he had a memory, he was reminded that that is not who he is. But I see brothers and sisters get beat up with condemnation all the time because they tried to walk before they sat. Does that make sense to anyone? You have something to go back to. You have a place. You have a time. I don't know how long it was, but the Apostle Paul spent a good amount of time with the other apostles learning some stuff before he started getting out and doing stuff. Is that right? Can somebody fact check me on that? i Yeah, 14 years. There was a, I would maybe consider that a sitting time. Maybe learning how to sit. Woo. Learning how to sit. But I'm telling you, it beats people up. Because they allow, you know, they want not say, oh, no, you know, there's no condemnation for those who are what? Oh, in, oh, you got to be in him. You actually have to be seating. You, have to, you actually have to be seated in heavenly places in Christ for that scripture to apply to you. If you haven't learned how to sit in heavenly places in Christ, then guess what? You're going to get condemnation. I'm speaking from experience. If anybody wants to challenge that, I just know in my life, unless I have learned that I am in him, in heavenly places, and I see myself as he sees me, and I don't allow any thought from hell to come into my mind, and I only allow the words that Jesus says about me to be in my mind circulating, I will get tripped up. But because I've learned, I'm learning over the past 28 years as a believer to sit. I have a reference point. I have an altar, if you will. That's what altars were in the Old Testament, a place of remembrance. And for me, that sitting in Christ in heavenly places is a place, as an altar in my life, where I'm like, this is who I am. I am acting out of character. And I am so gently and lovingly brought back in as a son and as a daughter to say, it's okay. That's not who you are. That behavior is beneath you. You're a son. You're a daughter. I don't shame you. I don't condemn you. Conviction is so beautiful and so sweet. And the other thing I see most times in people who haven't learned how to sit before they've tried to learn how to walk is frustration. And they're frustrated because they are wanting something to happen that's already happened. we ask God, so so much of our prayers are asking God to do something that he's already done. But because we never sat, we never took time to realize what it means to be seated with him, in him, we continue to ask for things. The Lord showed me this. Remember years ago, I don't know if it's the same way now, but when you used to get like a program on your computer, you would get a file. Maybe it's like a, Picture editing software, maybe even Microsoft Word, I don't know. But you would download this little, I guess it looked like some sort of folder, right? The folder was there. The full power of Microsoft Word was there. All you had to do was click click, and launch it. It had been done. But so many of us, and and I believe that's what happens when we're sitting. We realize all that has been deposited in us. It's there and it's in the sitting that like the double click of the Holy Spirit happens and the program is launched and you actually get to access everything that has already been bought and paid for for you in Christ Jesus. You actually get to access and live out all the spiritual things and all the blessings and we don't spend our whole life, oh God, I just pray for all these things that you've already done, let them, no. It's in the sitting that you realize by faith it's done. And you don't allow your experience to dictate the truth of God's word that says it's in you. Every spiritual blessing is already there. But if we don't recognize that and we haven't sat in that, we allow our circumstances to beat us up. We allow, well, well, this is happening and and that person was mean and this broke down. And all of a sudden you're like trying to walk it out. You know what sitting is? I can do this now, can I? To, oh man, my earbuds are out. Okay, we're good. When you sit, I'm a big guy, I'm 250 plus pounds. You know what? Every bit of who I am, in a sense, is being supported by what? The chair, the stool that I'm sitting in, every aspect. All the worry that could come upon me, what what's holding the worry right now? This stool. Any sickness, my my sore feet are in this chair right now. My worry about what's happening with my oldest son. I'm fighting for a breakthrough. Where's that worry right now? It's in this chair. Any financial strains I might have, any people I'm, I'm praying for that I've got concerns about, their sickness, where is that? Where is where is all of it? It's in this chair. And this is what Christ has called us to do. To stop trying to carry the weight of something that you were never meant to carry. Allow him to be your chair, that you sit in him. In every concern, every struggle, every doubt, every worry, every aspect of who you are, body, soul, and spirit is in Christ, carrying the weight of everything that you are. The good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful. It's all in this chair. And I'm hoping by the time I'm in my 40s, this chair will be carrying about 30 pounds less. But for now, it's doing a great job. Had to lighten the mood there a little bit. It was getting a little intense, but you see what I'm trying to say. That's what it is. We say, oh, yeah, I've got that. Check that off. You know, Paul's message a couple weeks ago. "Oh, Oh, I know that. Been there, done that. Have you really allowed Christ to be that chair that carries everything you are? He can handle it. He will handle it. Another aspect of being seated is being seated, positionally seated in a place where you are asking for the gifts. I love the gifts and I pray to God for the gifts of the spirit because Paul commands us to ask for the gifts. But I ask for the gifts from here, not here. <laughs> I got to get these gifts. Sometimes our gifts, sometimes the gifts we don't know. It's very, it's very deceptive. Sometimes we ask for gifts. If we ask for the gifts from a place of standing or walking before we've sat, we actually will use the gifts to validate that we're even saved and belong to Him in the first place. That is not the point of the gifts. The point of the gift of God's spirit is not to convince you that you're saved. That's what sitting's for. That's what being in Christ is for. And I chased the gifts. Well, you know, I didn't, I, I was beating myself up with, through all this sin, shame, condemnation stuff. So I was like, well, I'm gonna operate in the gifts. That'll, that'll convince me. That'll, if well, if I can operate in gifts, then I know that I'm really a Christian because God's not gonna, eh, no, that doesn't work. We ask for the gifts from a place of being seated confidently in Christ in heavenly places. And the Father is so good. He gives us gifts because he wants us to do gifts in Christ with him. I love this analogy of uh, my worship leader hero, uh, said uh, Jonathan Helser. He says, favorite gift at uh, Christmas one year was a football. And that football meant that him and his dad were going to go back in the backyard and actually play it together after everybody ate. Are you excited about the gift because you get to do it with Father? Or are you excited about the gift because somehow the gift is going to tell you that you're a Christian when you might have doubted it and maybe you just didn't sit long enough? I'm telling you, these are tricky things. I'm just walking you through some of my my testimony and once I got that place of being seated in Christ, I would ask for the gifts because number one, me and Father are going to be doing them together. And it's okay to fail. It's okay to drop the ball sometimes when you've got the when you're when you're doing it from that place of being seated. I remember Victor a couple of weeks ago had a dream, and he asked our home group to interpret the dream. And I am so intimidated by dream interpretation. I just don't feel like I have that gift. And I'm like, Lord, let's do all right. I'm, I'm just. Dialing in, me and Holy Spirit. I'm excited, and I botched that thing so bad. He was just being gracious. But I, I know, like, and it was so funny because his wife, like, nailed it. Like, exactly what he felt like it was. And my interpretation was so bad. But I, I didn't, like, walk away. There, oh, God, well, maybe I'm not saved because I didn't get Victor's dream right. And maybe I just, oh, my gosh, well, I'm questioning everything now because that word that I just gave wasn't spot on. And I, can, I need to go back again because, oh, man, God must be really disappointed with me because I just dropped the football. And now I'm just going to put a hole in this football and take it back and never play football again. No, we are seated in him. It's okay to drop the ball sometimes. There's confidence to fail when you know that you're loved. When you're doing things like that as someone who has sat and you feel like, hey, I got a word for somebody, and you say the craziest word, hey, I just see you as a as a carpenter, and you're going to be building a house, and the guy looks at you and says no man i'm a computer program i don't know anything about carpentry that's not happening and you're just like oh do you think god's up in heaven like oh my gosh that that kid he thought he heard my voice he didn't even hear my voice oh my gosh what a look oh man god's not like that when you've sat you know what when you sat you know what it's like here's what you know god's like when you mess up oh my gosh My boy thought he heard my voice and look how eager he was when he just thought he heard my voice. Imagine how much more fired up he's gonna be when it really is my voice. Not discouraged, not beating himself up. He's not packing the football up and gonna go pout. He realized, oh, well, I just missed it. Okay, let's try again, dad. I'm free. I'm confident. I'm seated in Christ in heavenly places. I'm above condemnation because I'm in Christ. I'm above frustration because I'm in Christ. Every spiritual blessing and gift has been mine, and I'm just maturing into it. I'm just maturing into it day by day. 28 years later, I'm still maturing into it. I'm going to close with this. I think I will get to the hold on tight part. And the other thing is, not all of us, I'm sorry, I need something, water. Not all of us skipped the sitting phase. Some of us years ago got saved and got lit up by the Holy Spirit and you sat with him and you realized and we did everything that I've spoken about for the past 20 minutes and you were there. But something happened along the way. And Hebrews says again and again and again, phrases like, hold tight. Do not drift from the message that you received. Over and over and over again. I don't have time to go there, but trust me, you'll be amazed at how many times in the first, like four or five chapters, there's even a famous verse in 10 somewhere that it says, hold tight. And it says this other, it quotes the Old Testament a couple times. uh, While today is still called today, don't harden your heart, right? What happens is sometimes if we're not paying close attention and we're not holding on tight, we will drift from that foundational place where we are seated in Christ. And you start trying to walk everything out from this place and you've drifted from that word that you received that that foundational way of living. See, no one no one intentionally gets into a car late night driving this is another one of my stories. I uh I was seeing somebody in Raleigh and we went to a concert. I wanted to go see Rod Stewart at late night and I was trying to be a you know I was a, good Christian, and I didn't want to spend the night there, so I had to drive, and I didn't have any money for a hotel room, so I'm going to drive back from Raleigh after a Rod Stewart concert at like 1 o'clock in the morning or something, and I had everything in place to not fall asleep behind the wheel, right? I had the coffee. I had the Red Bull. <laughs> I had the candy. I had the AC. I had the windows. I had the music. I, ent- I set out with a plan to not fall asleep. How many of you all know the end of this story? (laughs) Oh, I'm not going to let that happen again. AC all the way up. 20 minutes later. (laughs) You know, I'm talking about those things on the side of the road that wake you up. My my mom's having a heart attack right now. She does not know this story. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Three or four times. How does that happen? You drift off. And you're like, oh, that's not gonna happen again. That could have been bad. That could have been bad. 15 minutes later, four times. Maybe I should stop and like get some more coffee or do some running or some exercises, you know? I'm telling you, it's like that in our walk. None of us intent, none of us at the beginning of saying yes to Jesus, none of us at the point where we sit down in Christ say, you know what? I'm probably going to drift off in the future and, you know, go back on my faith and not really, you know, care anymore. Probably just going to walk this thing out by myself because when I started in grace, I'm probably going to finish with my own works. Has anybody, anybody made a plan like that? <laughs> no, the intention was I'm walking in. God, you're so good. Your grace is sufficient. It is not by my works. It is all the gift from God. And I am going to, uh, I don't know. Oh, uh. Uh. oh I'm not going to do that again next thing you know, driven. Hebrews says it over and over again. Hold on tight. If anything, let this message, let this word right now be that for you. Get back to the place where you're being seated in Christ. Get back to the place where everything that you are, everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the beautiful is seated in Christ. Because in that, no matter what you're thinking, feeling, believing, or seeing, that is the absolute truth of where we are as people who have faith and believe in Jesus. He's that good. You know what? Sit with me. <laughs> How ironic would it be if I told everybody to stand up at the end of this message? That would have been really funny. <laughs> everybody sit with me. And I know physically we're in this position, but this is our position as sons and daughters who have put their faith in Jesus and His gospel, the power of His grace, His unfailing love. This is who we are, and this is our position spiritually. And we will walk, and we will stand against the enemy, and the gates of hell will not prevail, and there will be no condemnation for those of us who stay in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, I ask right now that this simple word, sit, would resonate within us, your your beloved, that this simple word of sit would resonate within us this week and that we would stay true to the truth that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ, that there is therefore now no condemnation because we know who we are. that we will be people who walk and stand from that place confidently seated in heavenly places. You see, we never stop sitting in the spiritual sense. Holy Spirit, I pray that your anointing would just set people free from dead works. I pray that your Holy Spirit would set people free from religion I pray that your anointing would set people free from lies and deception that they've believed. I pray that your holy spirit would break people free from frustrations that they've had in their lives, Lord. And Lord that they would sit in that that simple beautiful place where they just say, "Abba, I belong to you." I belong to you. Your love has made its claim on my life. Your grace has done everything. And all I did was say yes. The best way that we can honor God is to embrace everything that God has done for us. Amen? Okay. That's all I have, y'all. Sit.
0: (laughs) Amen. Amen. That's good.